Please bow with me in another word of prayer as we open the word this morning. Our Father, we thank you for that wonderful truth we've just sung. Our God reigns. You are the omnipotent one, the all-powerful God, the only true and living God. You are the God of the universe. And we bow in your presence today and acknowledge that you are worthy to receive our praise, our honor, and our worship. Father, we pray now that as your word is opened, that your Holy Spirit will be the one to implant that word within our hearts so that we might receive the message that you have for us today. You have promised us, and we lay hold of that promise today, that your word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish the purpose to which you had sent it forth. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, there is one burning question that has been asked by Bahamians from all walks of life. That question is, how can we halt the violence and moral corruption that plagues every facet of our life and culture as Bahamians? Now, this corruption is evidenced by the utter disregard for human life today, be it demonstrated or evidenced by the um, physical abuse of women and children, murders, shooting down of anyone who comes in the way of somebody trying to take somebody else's property. It's manifested in domestic violence. It's manifested in the unnecessary termination of a life through anger or even abortion. Our country is a violent country. And unjustified violence is as much an evidence of moral corruption as is rape, adultery, sexual promiscuity, drug addiction, alcoholism, theft, and disregard for established authority, be it parental or governmental, all of which litter the landscape of our once beautiful and tranquil Bahamian paradise. Truly, John Milton's Paradise Lost is a title that is applicable to our Bahamian paradise here in the Bahamas. It is unbelievable, but true nonetheless. According to statistics recently released by the World Bank and the United Nations, according to this widely read publication, the Bahamas has a murder rate of 21.2 murders per 100,000, which is more than double the worldwide average. In other words, according to this publication, we lead the world in murders. But yet, this is a little less than the Caribbean region's average of 30 victims per 100,000 per year. The same report also states that the Bahamas has the highest rate of rapes in the Caribbean area and comparison countries, 133 per 100,000 per year. In addition, the Bahamas also has the highest rate of physical assaults in the Caribbean area, 1,697 incidents per 100,000 per year. Those are figures that reflect our Bahamian paradise way of life. Now, in spite of the skepticism of some concerning the method of compiling 
these figures, they nevertheless caused Dr. David Allen to call together a group of pastors, journalists, and other concerned citizens a few days ago to address this very question. What can we do, he asked, to stop our country from committing social and economic suicide through the increase of murders and other violent crimes? A mother was present, a mother whose son was murdered, and she shared how she now lives in constant fear for her life due to the fact that the person who may have been responsible for her son's death is out on bail. In fact, he's out on bail in three different cases. And she's living in fear for her life on a daily basis. She's afraid that she and other family members could be the targets as well. Dr. Allen confirmed that there are many others of our citizens in this so-called paradise living under the same kind of fear. People, people's homes now are looking like fortresses to demonstrate this fear. The group there readily acknowledged that the problem is complex. And a solution would involve every area of our way of life in the Bahamas. Our home life, our church life, our judicial system, our prison system, our schools, and we can go on and on. Every area of our life is affected. And if there's going to be a change, a turnaround, every area must be addressed. The problem is, where do we begin? You see, it is so acute that we don't have time to address each area individually. Every area has to be addressed at the same time if any halt to this madness is going to be effective. So how can it be done? And more importantly, who is to do it? Who can help to bring about a paradigm shift in our way of life here in the Bahamas? This morning, based on the word of God, I would like to suggest an answer to this question. Now, it's a very simple answer. But it's not simplistic. But I believe it's a valid answer nonetheless because it's based on the Holy Word of God. You see, I believe that a solution for our problem today is to be found in the cause of the problem itself. In other words, the cause of our problem is also the solution to our problems. And I want you to think this through with me this morning because the answer causes us to make a radical twist as to the cause of the problem as well as the answer or solution to the problem. You see, we just have the wrong kind of people making the impact upon our society. If there's a twist in that, in other words, we have the right kind of people making the impact, the overall impact upon our society. Then things should change. Culture could be radically affected. If the right kind of people are having the pervasive impact on the community rather than the wrong kind of people. Let's allow the word of God to explain this. First, listen to the words of the man who's described as the wisest man who ever lived by the Bible itself. King Solomon, he says in Proverbs 28, verse 12, When the righteous triumph, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, men hide themselves. And again he says in Proverbs 28, 28, When the wicked rise, men hide themselves. But when they perish, the righteous increase. Listen again. 
Proverbs 29 verse 2. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, people groan. Now the point of all of these proverbs by this wise man is that the righteous can make a difference in a society, but only if they live righteously. Not simply being in society, but living righteous lives in society. If they don't, the wicked will rule by default. To live righteously simply means to live a life pleasing to God, loving him with our entire being and loving others as ourselves. Jesus himself said that these are the two greatest commandments, and if kept, will cover all the other commandments. In other words, one righteous person living out his or her righteousness can make a huge difference in our society and bring about a paradigm shift in our culture. One righteous person living righteously. Jesus makes the same point when he says, speaking specifically with regards to Christians, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In other words, Christians are the people who can and are expected to live righteously. They serve as both preservatives and enlighteners in a decaying and a darkening society. Jesus himself says, my friends, that such are the most important individuals in society. But to be effective, the salt must be rubbed in to the decaying areas. And the light must be turned on in the darkened areas. My friends, salt is no use, of no value in the salt shaker. The same thing a Christian is of no use if all he does is claim to be a Christian but doesn't live it. The light is of, of no use if it is hid under a bed. The righteous must live out their righteousness. Christians must be Christian in every facet of their life and experience if they are going to make an impact upon the society. But if you look at society now, the only conclusion we can come to as far as Christians are concerned overall is that they're not living for Christ. They're living for themselves. Hear me carefully now. The underlying principle is that it is the individual who makes a difference in society for better or for worse. The scriptures we have just read refer to a certain kind of individual. One who can make an impact for good upon society. One who is unlike those whose behavior, morality, and mores are reflected in the present state of lawlessness and violence we see all around us that plague our community. But we want to turn our attention to one who can help to cure the ills of society and change it for the better. And that's the person who the Bible declares as being righteous. See, those individuals who live righteous lives reflect the belief in the maxim that says, all it takes for evil men to win is for good men to do nothing. I'd like to paraphrase that. All it takes for wicked people to rule is for Christians to live like sinners. In other words, the fact of the matter is that not enough of the right kinds of individuals are making the kind of impact upon our community. They're not playing the role they should in our Bahamian society. The wrong kinds of individuals are making the determining impact 
but it is nonetheless individuals who are doing so. Individuals. What we need in the Bahamas today, therefore, my friends, are nation exalters. Those who uplift our country's reputation by living righteously rather than living wickedly. Those who are actively alive, demonstrating their righteousness, living them out, rather than passively sitting by while our country goes to perdition in a basket. This underlines the fact that the individuals needed to make a difference for the better in our society must be of a certain character or quality. Not just any individual will do. We see the terrible results all around us when this principle is violated. Augustine, in his classic, The City of God, and speaking specifically of Christian citizens, whom he regarded as the epitome of good individuals, said that they are the salvation of the commonwealth because they fulfill the highest role of citizenship. Christians are expected to save society because of who they are. Chuck Colson, a once bad man turned good by faith in Christ, he makes this corroborating statement in his book entitled Kingdoms in Conflict. Quote, Culture is most profoundly changed, not by the efforts of human institutions, but by individual peoples being changed, one person at a time, and one person can make a difference. End of quote. All of this then supports the concept that as far as our Bahamian society is concerned, the wrong kind of individuals are making a greater impact upon our society and playing a more dominant role in our society than are the good or righteous people, than are the Christian people. The result is that society as a whole is reflecting the values or lack of values of the wrong kind of individuals. And that is what is reflected in the report. Social scientists have long attested to the fact that while it might not be explicitly stated or perhaps even admitted, it is the values or morals practiced by the majority of individuals in the society that is reflected in the society as a whole. Let me repeat that because that's at the core of what I'm trying to get across today. It is the values or morals practiced by the majority of individuals in a society that is reflected in the society as a whole. Note, it is the values and morals practiced, not merely believed or verbally espoused. In other words, society as a whole reflects what the majority of citizens do, not what they say, nor what they believe, but what they do. If this is so, and it is, then the preamble to our constitution that states that we as Bahamians will live our lives in a way that reflects Christian values is merely a piece of paper, and it doesn't matter if they remain there or not. You can be sure of one thing, my friends. A people being recognized as a world leader in murder and rape and violent assault do not reflect the actions of a Christian nation. They do not. Social scientists have long attested to the fact that while it might not be explicitly stated or perhaps even admitted, the values of morals practiced by the majority of individuals in society is reflected in the society as a whole. Please get that in your minds today. And so what this is saying in our situation as Bahamians is that the increase and prevalence of robberies, the taking of another's property without that person's consent, 
is indicative of a pervasive behavior and mindset of the individuals who make up our society. In a word, if social scientists are correct, then breaking the law, and in particular, stealing, is a regular pastime of Bahamians as a whole. In other words, it's a Bahamian ethos. It's something that reflects who we are. That's a sad statement. Now, can that be validated? Well, let's see. Is stealing only limited to drug addicts, hoodlums, and the jobless in our country? No, of course not. Bankers steal from their depositors. Lawyers steal from their clients. Politicians steal from their constituents. Pastors, priests, and presbyters steal from their parishioners. In fact, it has been stated that the so-called white-collar crime is more prevalent than the so-called blue-collar crime. But whereas the unsophisticated blue-collars use guns, knives, and glass cutters, the sophisticated white-collar thieves use computers, ledgers, and educational degrees to steal from their victims. Employees, employees steal from their employers. They steal time, which is their boss's money, by going into work late, coming back from lunch late, and leaving early and thinking nothing of it, in fact, laughing while they do it. Employers steal from their employees by not paying them proper, uh, a, a proper uh, salary for a day's work. Both bosses and employees, on both a business and personal level, constantly and apparently with much glee, steal from the government by falsifying go, uh, customs declarations or avoid doing them at all when turning from a trip aboard. And they try all kinds of ways to find out how they can do it. And many Christians are doing the same thing. Parents and reputable businessmen receive and or purchase stolen goods. Dishonesty appears to be a pervasive Bahamian social attitude. It's not bad any longer in the moral sense. It's bad in the modern sense, meaning it's cool, dude. But take what you can from anyone you can. And so generally speaking, the bell of conscience seems not to ring for most Bahamians when it comes to performing an action that demonstrates a lack of integrity. It seems that overall the Bahamians are a people who lack integrity. Overall, not completely, but overall, that's what's reflected. There's also a pervasive attitude of lawlessness in our nation. The state of the traffic on our streets is clear evidence of this fact. And this is something we laugh about. But look at the true principle behind it. Drivers pay no attention to laws. Men and women, young and old, go through red lights. Park in no parking spaces. The able park in spaces reserved for the disabled. They break the speed limit and they do it with their children in the car. And what makes matters worse, for the most part, there are no policemen policing the situation at all. As far as our streets are concerned then, everyone is doing what is right in his or her own eyes. And it appears as though there's no one to stop them. Friends, listen. Law without swift and certain punishment for violation is like a, is like a lion without teeth or claws. An animal with a lot of roar but no power. It becomes a pet to play with rather than a law to fear. And that's what's happening today in the Bahamas. And so today, we Bahamians, generally speaking, do not only tolerate lawlessness, we encourage it by doing nothing about it and even knowingly help it along. All of these kinds of actions by so many people reflect an overall attitude and disrespect, disregard for law and order, disregard for integrity and morality. 
This is the environment ethos that has contributed to the behavior that has made us number one in the areas of murder, rapes, and violent assaults in the world in the Caribbean area today. King Solomon sums up such conditions quite succinctly in Proverbs 14.34. This is what he says. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Listen to this again, my friends. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. In other words, righteousness brings honor or moral wholeness to a nation. While sin, that is unrighteousness, is the cause for a nation's reproach or moral sickness. We know that morality is involved because that is what is con- this is what this passage is concerned with. Morals and values. Solomon made this clear in the Proverbs we cited earlier. When the righteous triumph, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, men hide themselves. Notice, righteous is contrasted with wicked. The same principle is repeated in Proverbs 28, 18. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves. But when they perish, the righteous increase. And again in Proverbs 90, 29, verse 2. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when the wicked dominate, people groan. There's a contrast between wickedness and righteousness. It has to do with morals. It has to do with values. It has to do with Christian principles. And so 14, Proverbs 14, 34, therefore is a moral universal law, not merely a suggestion or a pious saying. Once the cause is put into effect, the consequences follow naturally and automatically. When a people is characterized by sinful actions and attitude, then, my friends, moral corruption follows. Righteousness lived out, on the other hand, by the righteous, results in exalted or a morally whole nation. On the other hand, when the unrighteous predominate society with the sinful lifestyles, the society is disgraced. In other words, it becomes morally sick. What we need then to stem the tide of sin and wickedness in our nation, our nation exalts us. Individuals who live out their faith, who practice righteousness in all that they do, not simply say that they're righteous, not simply say that they're Christians, but live it out in every aspect of their lives. However, it's very important to note, according to the biblical diagnosis, the sickness is a divine retribution. It is not a passive, undeserved malady. Listen carefully to this now. The sickness is a divine retribution, not a passive, undeserved malady. The Apostle Paul makes this quite clear in Romans 1. Verses 28 to 32. Listen as I read a description not only of the world but of the Bahamas. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, Backbiters, haters of God, the spiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, death not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's the word of God. It's like reading 
the newspapers. No one can successfully deny then that this is an apt description of our Bahamian society today. And from a biblical perspective, the wholeness to Bahamian society can only be found in an immediate and across-the-board recovery of common values and as, as espoused in our past heritage and in the preamble of our present constitution, both of which are grounded in Christian in the scriptures, in the scriptures that we have. The present, rational, the, the present national crisis demands then not only a new respect for life and law and property, but also a reaffirmation of the transcendent authority of the living God, a proclamation of a spiritual dynamic that transforms inner attitudes and motivations and a voluntary, voluntary altering of social behavior. Dr. Charles Henry says this in his book, The Christian Mindset. A good society is one that seeks good, not because it is legally forced to do so, but because it is inwardly motivated to do so. End of quote. I believe that is true. And according to the Holy Scriptures, it is Christ in one who provides this motivation. As a society, therefore, we need Christians who are not only Christians in word, but in action as well. We need nation exalters. And this, only, this, this is the only effective defense we have to nation reproaches, those who live wicked lives and bring reproach upon the nation. The scenario presented to us then, to continue with the illness metaphor we introduced, is that bad individuals or social germs have invaded our once healthy social body as Bahamians. And they broke down our inherent immune system and infected us with a multiplicity of deadly social diseases that we see all around us. Now, we need to be inoculated with those white cell individuals that would enter the stream of our social lifeblood and destroy the impact of these bad social germs. Jesus uses the metaphor of salt, an agent that preserves and prevents decay, and that's what Christians are supposed to be. Notice how we tend to call our social problems illness, not evils. We always call it illness, not evils. We don't call them sins. And you ask, what's the difference? Well, the answer is in the diagnosis. The difference is in the cause of and remedy needed to cure the disease. We could be viewing society's illness as something involuntarily imposed upon us, rather than a judgment society has brought upon itself. And so we have to ask the question, are we passively sick as a nation, or, we, or are we an actively evil or sinful nation, which in the words of the scripture, are receiving the just rewards of our deeds. The remedy for our situation is determined by our answer and the kind of individuals needed to bring wellness and wholeness back into our nation body. And so based on what we have already seen from scripture, I would like to give you four basic qualifications I feel that this kind of individual we are looking for in our society needs and must have. And I want you to pay careful attention to these because it's important for us to do so. But we're going to pause now and we're going to let the adult Bible, the, the adult choir under the direction of Eleanor Lowe minister to us at this time.